Hi, everyone. This is Erica Spicer Mason with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast Series. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm thrilled to be joined by two consultants from Spencer Stewart. We have with us Greg Vaughn and Elizabeth Beton, who will discuss healthcare leadership trends with us on the podcast. Greg and Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Wonderful. Well, to get us started, I thought it might help our listeners if you could both just share a little bit more about yourselves and your role, and then a little bit of context on Spencer Stewart and the healthcare practice. Greg, maybe we can get started with you. Sure. My name is Greg Vaughn. I'm a consultant uh, in the global healthcare practice at Spencer Stewart. Uh, the majority of my work uh, is in the healthcare services sector, uh, focusing on senior and executive leaders of both for-profit and not-for-profit healthcare services organizations. I also uh, focus on physician and clinician executive across healthcare sectors, as well as board directors for healthcare organizations. Well, thank you so much, Greg. And Liz, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and also Spencer Stewart as well? Absolutely, thank you. Well, my name is Elizabeth Beaton, and I'm a member of Spencer Stewart's healthcare services practice as well. I'm located in our Boston office and have worked with healthcare organizations and healthcare leaders for almost 25 years. A little bit about Spencer Stewart more broadly, we're a global leadership advisory firm that helps organizations find, develop, and accelerate the performance of senior level leaders and teams. We believe an organization's single greatest performance lever is its people mobilized through leadership, effective teams, a strong and aligned culture, and deep engagement. Our practice in healthcare is 59 consultants globally and 36 in the US, with an incredibly broad and deep scope of industry knowledge integrated with functional expertise. Our consultants work directly with healthcare boards, CEOs, C-suite teams, including clinical leaders, as Greg had mentioned, across a range of settings, and we've conducted more than 2,000 senior executive and board level searches globally over the past three years and have approximately 95% of our placements who are still in their roles today. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Really appreciate you sharing all of that. Um, and it sounds like between you and Greg, we have a lot of great experience in healthcare and also from Spencer Stewart's and leadership, of course. So I wanted to talk a little bit at first about how many hospitals and health systems were seeing this trend of creating more leadership roles that are focused on health equity and other functions related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, so Greg, I was wondering if you could just help clear up the distinction between these areas of leadership and why it's important. That's a great place to start. Because there's often overlap, but the roles and functions are quite distinct. Recruiting executive level DEI leaders has long been a focus for the healthcare organizations we work with. While no two DEI leadership roles are exactly alike, in our experience, they tend to be more internally focused. Uh, things like recruitment, retention, and development of talent from frontline workers up to senior executives and building and cultivating inclusive work environments. While health inequities certainly aren't new, creating a leadership role or function addressing them is, it's become much more common over the past two years. 
we've observed that these leadership roles tend to be more externally focused on things like improving access to care, quality of care received, and health outcomes for patients. This includes a lot of direct collaboration with providers and even community leaders. That said, they do intersect in important ways and are important partners to each other. For example, building a workforce that reflects the diversity of a healthcare organization's patient population as part of the organizational DEI efforts also serves to advance health equity. Thanks so much, Greg. I, that's a really helpful distinction that you've made. And I also appreciate you kind of clarifying at the top that, you know, DEI efforts and health equity efforts aren't new, but of course, the leadership roles that are specifically designated to those efforts are newer. So um, thanks again for, for sharing your, your insights there. And I know there's also been buzz in the media this year around kind of the rise and fall of the chief diversity officer. We're seeing a lot of changes in the C-suite, and that is definitely one that's kind of come to the surface, especially in Becker's coverage too. So Liz, have you come across this in your research? And if so, how is this affecting health equity leaders and functions? Yes, thank you. That's an excellent question. And there have been some articles over the past year questioning whether the focus on DEI functions and leaders is waning. But what's true about both DEI and health equity is that they're both long-term imperatives requiring long-term commitment and as one leader we spoke with put it, solutions and success should be measured in years rather than months. And we're not always that patient. Interestingly, recent Spencer Stewart research found that the number of chief inclusion and diversity officers at Fortune 500 companies actually increased 2% from 2022 to 2023. And a study just published by Deloitte Center for Health Solutions reports that nearly 50% of C-suite executives from life sciences and healthcare organizations expect to increase health equity investments next year. So for hospitals and health systems, the case for health equity is clear. Numerous research studies point to major discrepancies in diagnoses and health outcomes among different racial and ethnic groups, such as higher diagnoses of diabetes, and related diseases among the Hispanic population. So in our work, we're seeing healthcare organizations create executive positions and functions dedicated to health equity, usually led by a chief health equity officer or other similarly titled role. And we've been helping them navigate big questions around how to do this, who to hire for these roles, thinking through how to structure the function to be most effective, what skills are most important for the role, and the broader goals for the function and the leadership role at their organizations. What we wanted to do was bolster that experience with insight from top leaders who are actually doing this work every day. So we spoke with several top health equity leaders about how to successfully embed and empower health equity leadership into their organizations. Thanks so much, Liz. And it sounds like these roles that are committed to diversity, equity, inclusion, there's a lot on their plates and a lot of skill sets that are required, which I want to get into a little bit later in our discussion. Um, so appreciate you highlighting how Spencer Stewart is helping there as well. 
And so I'd like to hear a little bit more from you both about what you've learned about how organizations can really structure these health equity efforts in order for them to be as effective as possible. Are there any best practices that come to mind? Um, Greg, maybe we can start with you. It really comes down to some critical levers. First, it's crucial to ensure health equity is a cross-organizational and long-term priority. It cannot be a siloed effort. Having a seat at the C-suite table is one model, but having a respected voice at that table with the CEO, senior leadership team, and board commitment are essential to making this a cross-organizational priority. In healthcare organizations committed to providing high quality and accessible care to all patients, health equity should be foundational to the overall business strategy, operational execution, and organizational culture. As Liz touched on, the organizational commitment to health equity must be viewed as a long-term commitment. One leader we spoke with put it well, saying, health inequities developed over decades and won't be solved overnight. Importantly, we now understand that providing high quality, accessible care to all patient communities is not a lost leader. With the continued growth and evolution towards value-based care, a focus on health equity will be essential to financial success as well. Thanks so much, Greg. Uh, definitely sounds like those health equity efforts should not be siloed. Um, sounds like the broader organizations really have to embed them in in every aspect, in every department. Um, so thanks so much for your insights. Liz, is there anything that you'd add there? Absolutely, thank you. We've also learned there need to be clear, specific and achievable goals with measurable outcomes and the resources to support them. The goals have to align to the broader enterprise strategy and we need to be patient that these goals will evolve over time as the organization makes progress on advancing health equity. This truly is a journey and not an immediate final destination. For example, for an organization early in the journey, the goals may focus more on internal education, how to define health equity, why it's important, and how the organization communicates about it. Whereas an organization further along may start building out their processes, their tools, their infrastructure to pinpoint the causes of inequity within their existing processes and procedures and then address those causes. Regardless, the organization needs to ensure the leader has the resources needed to achieve those goals. At a team level, does the leader have the right team? Both full-time individuals devoted to health equity as well as individuals working on health equity projects, even if not specifically assigned to the health equity office. Funding, what funding does the health equity team have to put towards its initiatives? And support at the senior most levels, is there true support from the C-suite and the board to advance these efforts? That is critical. Thanks, Liz. And what you were just noting about resources needed on the team level, it reminded me of something that you said earlier in our conversation about a skill set that's needed for leaders who are advancing health equity efforts at their organizations. So what experience, skills, or capabilities have you found to be the most relevant and necessary for someone who's leading these efforts? 
Sure, that's a great question. Firstly, it's important to keep in mind there is not one size fits all health equity leader. The right health equity leader for a given organization truly is specific to the context of that organization, their structure, size, and health equity goals. So one question we explored in the article and in our conversations with health equity leaders is whether the health equity leader needs to be a clinician or specifically a physician. The consensus was that a clinician in the role can increase credibility, but that being a clinician is not a requirement for the job. Most of the health equity leaders we interviewed were MDs, two were not, and both brought different and interesting experiences to the health equity leader role that made them the right leader for their respective organizations. UNC Health's Audrea Caesar, for example, does not have a clinical background. Hers is public health. She's also worked within housing, economic development, and education, all social determinants that affect health and are often drivers of health inequities. Prior to joining UNC Health, she worked for the city of Raleigh, North Carolina, creating and leading its new Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And she cited her experience outside of healthcare as giving her a unique perspective and ability to navigate the complexity required of the role. Yeah, I think you highlight something so important, Liz, about having a variety of experiences, backgrounds coming into this role. It seems like it will only further promote that idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, so thanks for outlining that. Craig, is there anything that you would add or anything we've missed here? Yes, uh, in addition to background and experience, another consistent theme we heard throughout our conversations is that the health equity leader must engage, influence, and inspire a broad array of stakeholders. This is supported by recent Spencer Stewart research that found the ability to collaborate with and influence stakeholders is a critical emerging attribute for all leaders. In our conversations, it was clear that language and terminology matter and that specificity is important. Broad platitudes like uh, advanced health equity aren't really moving the needle. They have to be backed up by clearly communicated and measurable goals. Multiple interviewees emphasized how important the messaging and communication is in actually being able to engage, influence, and inspire stakeholders and ultimately make progress in addressing health inequities. For example, in our more political and polarized environment, we've heard from health equity policy advocates that communicating and articulating broadly agreed upon goals like providing high quality cost-effective care for patients with certain chronic conditions tends to garner broader support and more rapid support than initiating conversations on addressing healthcare inequities broadly. One leader shared that they started looking at projects through a health equity lens, asking project leads if there was a health equity dimension to their work. Initially, the response was no. The initiative didn't intersect with health equity. They rephrased the question to ask if there was customer personalization in their work, and the response was yes. This reframing of the question helped uncover opportunities to infuse a health equity perspective in areas it didn't that didn't previously exist. 
at least not consciously. Yeah, thanks so much, Greg. You've both shared a lot of concrete examples and Spencer Stewart research. So I can't thank you enough for that because I think it really helps to highlight those real life scenarios for our listeners um, and the importance of this work. So before we we wrap up here, are there any closing thoughts for our listeners? Anything that you'd like to leave them with? Liz, maybe we can start with you first. Sure, thank you, Erica. What I would say is that as long as there are disparities in health outcomes along racial, ethnic, gender, or socioeconomic lines, there will need to be a focus in the healthcare industry on understanding and reducing them. What's clear is there's both a mission behind doing the right thing and a financial imperative to address it at the senior most levels, especially in an increasingly value-based care environment where reimbursements are tied to outcomes. There's also increasing regulatory pressure as states, federal agencies, trade associations, accrediting bodies, and even the White House have made health equity a priority for healthcare organizations. With this forward movement, it's possible to imagine a future where a health equity mindset permeates everything a healthcare organization does, and a health equity leader is no longer necessary, but we are not there yet. So for now, designating a health equity leader to drive health equity efforts, whether that be a net new position or augmenting an existing role is the path many organizations are taking. And we've been really inspired by those health systems that are doing this and expanding the level of accountability for tackling these inequities. Mm, thanks so much, Liz. Yeah, we've made progress, but it sounds like we've got quite a ways to go in these efforts. So thank you so much. Greg, anything else that you'd like to leave us with? I echo all that Liz has shared with us. Um, I would just offer a call to action. For those who haven't yet begun the health equity journey, the time is now to get started. And for those that have begun, keep moving forward and look for ways to serve as a role model for organizations earlier in the journey. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Greg and Liz. Really appreciate your time and the great discussion today. Thanks again for being here. Thank you. Thanks very much. We'd also like to thank Spencer Stewart today for sponsoring this episode. You can tune into more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting our podcast page at beckerspodcasts.com.